This is the Education Gadfly Show. A gracious, good-looking, smart? What's not to like about Martin O'Malley now that we don't actually have to worry about him becoming failed? Also ran... What does Gadfly say? Hello, this is your host, Mike Petrilli of the Thomas B. Fordham Institute, here at the Education Gadfly Show and online at edexcellence.net. And now, please join me in welcoming my co-host, the Martin O'Malley of Education Reform, <laughs> Robert Pendicio. All right, I'll see you, Mike. I'm out of here. Hey, uh, gracious, good-looking, smart? What's not to like about Martin O'Malley now that we don't actually have to worry about him becoming Failed, president? also ran... Yeah, keep going. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Just couldn't quite get traction, you know. And the sad thing is it looks like Hillary's ploy to have all the debates be on, you know, the Sunday nights before holiday of, of three-day holiday weekends has really worked. Okay. So there um, you go. Yeah. Exciting well. times. Hey, Mike Huckabee's out as well. Uh, you know, it was funny. I, I told that One to my domino wife. domino after another. I told that to my wife. I said, oh, Huckabee's out. She said, well, Huckabee was in. Was it? <laughs> so so it, just, uh, no, no, exciting times for this political junkies here in Washington, but we're not here to talk politics. Well, at least unless they uh, you have to do with education politics, we're here to talk ed reform. Clara, let's play Pardon the Gadfly. Let's get started. New York State will no longer set time limits on standardized tests for students in grades three through eight. Is this an attempt to inflate test scores, appease opt-outers? Will it work? Those are a lot of different questions. Did you you heard this story, right, Mike? I heard. This did you story. have the same reaction I did when you heard, which is like, come on, this is nonsense. Uh, that they were going to uh, no longer uh, time the test. I, you know, I have to admit, I don't live in New York, so it was okay. not as big a focus for me. But uh, you wrote a great piece about this, saying basically, you know what, this actually isn't that big a deal. And and I learned something because it, it was it, nothing if not counterintuitive. I mean, you know, as a teacher, we used to fetishize putting the time of the uh, of the test on on the board, and we were worried that if the kids were still working a minute afterwards, we yeah. would you know get an Go to jail. Um, so, I, yeah, you know, I, I cracked wise as somebody, as we are wont to do sometimes on Twitter saying, you know, the state of New York just got, a, everybody got an IEP. Uh, right. but, but it turns out when I started looking into it, there really are good psychometric reasons to do this. That mm-hmm. apparently the research, while, while not deep, does show that uh, when you give extended time, it does not really affect results, except for kids with learning disabilities. And right. that's why kids get extended time. So, in other words, on the one hand, it's, it's much ado about nothing. The, the, the time test, lifting the time is mm-hmm. not a big deal. But then you start to ask, well, if that's the case, why did they do that? And it seems pretty clear. New York, as you may mm-hmm. know, is a big opt-out state. So my best hunch is this is an attempt to mollify the opt-out parents to say, oh, you don't like test pressure? We'll take the test pressure off. No right. more time limits. But, but then uh, the, the ironic thing is, one thing they don't like is that the kids are spending so much <laughs> right. time testing. Exactly. And so now exactly. they've got more time. Now take all the time to test. you want. Take 180 days. I know offense to you New Yorkers, but there are days when I wish that New York would just opt out of the union, you know? (laughs) Along with Texas. (sighs) Well, I don't think... I'm not sure that... That would be funny if you tried to force Texas and New York... uh, I don't think Texas needs to be forced. Uh, But but with one another. That's right. That would be strange bedfellows. That would not solve any problems. Okay, topic number two. Robert, you have a lot in common with Ed Bolin, the author of The Battle for Room 314. Which of his insights about the state of education and education reform rang most true? (laughs) I'm I'm curious about what you have in common with this guy. I'm not even sure I want to touch that one, but uh, there's a new book out. It's called The Battle for Room 314, 
and full disclosure, Ed Bolin, the author, is a friend of mine. I used to work for the guy at an organization called Prep for Prep. Uh, he wrote a book about his year teaching in New York City public schools. And by the way, that could not be more different than Prep for Prep, which is mm-hmm. elite kids going to elite schools. Um, look, you know, it, it's a terrific book, but but you have to read it as a memoir. If you're expecting this to be another one of those teacher books where the hero teacher comes in and mm-hmm. saves the day, well, Ed went into the classroom. He did not save the day. He needed to be saved himself. Uh, it did not go well. Uh, my disappointment with the book, and I wrote this in, in my review, is that I think his prescriptions, look, if you read it as a memoir and not as a policy book, you'll have a better experience. Mm-hmm. If you go to the end and read his policy prescriptions, yeah, they're, 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 they're not my cup of tea. You know, basically, integrate schools, give more money, end poverty. Yeah. This is stuff we've heard before, not really practical. But I would think that if you are a new teacher, I say a Teach for America teacher mm-hmm. or any new teacher in a tough urban environment, and you are getting your butt kicked yeah. uh, that first year, maybe reading a book like this will at least make you feel like you are not alone. Well, that's true, too. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the interesting ironies here, by the way, uh, is that uh, Ed uh, did not do Teach for America or the program that I was yeah. a part of way back when, the New York City Teaching Fellows. He did a regular two-year get-your-master's-degree, get-your-teaching-certificate the old-fashioned way, and mm-hmm. then go teach. Now, of course, a lot of folks say, well, you know, all these alt-strip programs, you know, you're putting inexperienced people in the classroom. Well, you got some explaining to do then. This mm-hmm. is a traditionally a very smart, very talented, very dedicated guy who went through traditional route, got his butt kicked. Yep, yep. And, and you know, and which is not inevitable. I mean, no, to say there not. were other teachers in the school working with the same kids who were having better results, right? That he, I mean, we, you say, was he not prepared or was it just such a dysfunctional school that yeah. no human being could possibly have succeeded in that environment? I mean, what are you left with? Well, you know, one of the reasons I still do this work today was because my experience, like Ed's, was was difficult. Now, you know, I, I, I stuck it out for five years, but you do learn some hard lessons when you do that. And one of the takeaways for me, and, and I think this should have been one of the takeaways for him, is it's really difficult when you go into a community school that serves kids across the spectrum, from mm-hmm. the very talented to the kids who are basically there be, you know, as a coercive relationship with schools. You know, it's just asking too much for teachers to, to meet the needs of all of those kids. Yeah. And so ironically, maybe what you need instead is to do more of what his day job well, was. Well, that's exactly that's right. Which is to pluck out uh, kids who show great academic promise and get them into great schools. They don't have to be private necessarily, but right. uh, and, you, know, this, the, you know, the other side says, well, that's a lifeboat strategy. Yeah. I say, hey, lifeboat's good. They, they save lives. Uh, and if, 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 if you want to help more kids, build a bigger lifeboat uh, or amen. build more lifeboats. About the last thing you want to do, I've said this for years, is say, well, unless there's lifeboats enough for every passenger, we're going to drown everyone. Yeah. That Not okay. Seem to be okay. Okay, topic number three. Mike, this week you hosted our ESSA accountability design competition. Which idea struck you as most creative and worth embracing? Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Uh, the American Idol of education <laughs> reform. Not the survivor? Uh, well, a little bit of aspect of that as, okay. as well. A lot of great ideas. And as I stressed over and over again, there was no one winner because there's no one right way to do accountability. Hmm. Uh, there maybe are some dumb ways to do accountability. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we have ways. tried most of those in this country. Yeah, uh, but uh, some some maybe are better than others. But uh, like. uh, look, a lot of great things here. I, I uh, several of the proposals had some kind of school inspection program yep. to supplement the test scores. I think that shows promise. It's tough. It costs a lot of money um, to do it well, but that certainly is promising. You know what I liked? Not a single proposal wants to look at just proficiency rates. We are yeah. really putting that to rest. Uh, no more of that. Instead, even even for looking at that academic achievement they want to look at performance at least at several different levels basic proficient advanced if not just looking at scale scores that is super wonky but super important
important mm-hmm. for making sure that the schools encourage all kids uh, to make progress no over time. No more focusing on the bubble kids. No more focusing on the bubble kids. I mean, it was very clear that everybody has learned a set of lessons from No Child Left Behind. Surely, uh, we're going to find new ways to mess this up going forward. But at least the people participating in our competition, hey, they were also aware, a lot of excitement for things like measuring student engagement, uh, but also an understanding that we have to be super careful here, that mm-hmm. if we put too much weight on these indicators that are brand new, uh, we could ruin them. Sure. Uh, and so you want to get a fuller picture of school quality, but you don't want to create new problems, new opportunities to gain the system uh, that, like we have now with testing. Uh, amen. Let's let's hope that some of these good ideas become uh, the way we do things in at least some of these states. And that the Department of Education looks at this and understands that they need to make sure their regulations allow for that. Nah, that'll uh, and never don't happen. Get in the way. Come on, Robert. Yes, it will <laughs> because of this competition. There you go. All right. That's all the time we've got for Pardon the Gadfly. Now it's time for everybody's favorite Amber's Research Minute. Okay, Amber, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Mike. Did, did you stay up late on Monday night watching the returns? Heck yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. You're not going to ask me, are you? <laughs> <laughs> About whether you're excited or not? Well, were you, you excited know. by that man with the gravelly voice? Anyway, I don't. We're not. We don't support candidates here, we right? We do not support. We all have our own opinions, and I have to say, I bet uh, in the Fordham office, I bet almost all of the major candidates probably have somebody rooting for them. I think you're right. Right? We uh, are a diverse crowd, at least politically. I would. Be curious Folks if, if we have any Donald us, Trump supporters. They they may not admit it, but they, they, they may not. They may uh, they may. Here's what I'll yeah. say about Trump: is if he leaves the race, it's going to be a whole lot less interesting. Uh, well, did you watch the debate last week? It was downright boring. Right? <laughs> Hate right. to admit it, <laughs> but what's not boring, Amber, is the research minute. I uh, love that. Love the compliments. What you got All right, for us? We got a new study from Mathematica that examines the impact of recess. We're going to like this hmm. one, I think. Okay. For low income kids, uh, the research actually evaluates a recess program, okay? So it's always a program when you got a program evaluation. Come on, just let him go out and play. Sorry. Um, so the catch here is it places a full-time coach oh, in no. low-income oh, schools no. to provide opportunities for organized play during recess and throughout the day, not just recess, okay? Um, so they give just quick background here. You might not know this. According to the latest research, an estimated 40% of American school children no longer have recess. 40%? That is percent. Speaking that of unintended consequences, as we I were thought earlier. that was a bit much, too. Um, wow. So low-income low schools, I guess some survey data showed they cite tight budgets, safety concerns, and a lack of playgrounds mm-hmm. as reasons for not mm-hmm. having recess. Okay. All right, and then apparently 15 minutes of playtime has been shown to have really positive results. So there was some interesting context to the report. Mm-hmm. But anyway, the actual evaluation. So PlayWorks is designed to engage students in physical activity, foster social skills, improve their ability to focus on classwork, decrease behavioral problems, and improve school climate. So did it mm-hmm. do all that stuff? Um, so they were really drilled down into the impact on students' f- uh, physical activity by race. So they looked at Hispanic, mm-hmm. black, and white kids, okay? Mm-hmm. 27 schools from six cities were randomly assigned to treatment and control groups. So this passed muster, by the way, with the what works clearinghouse if you care about that kind of stuff. Uh, the treatment group implemented PlayWorks during 2010-2011. The control group didn't get to implement it till the next year because you can't let some schools play and other yeah. kids not, right? Yeah. You got to have wait a year. Um, accelerometers. You ever heard of these things? I have not. Apparently a doohickey that measures when you accelerate <laughs> your energy level. A doohickey. That's it's kind of like, I mean, I, I wear a Fitbit, so maybe okay. it's like similar. Okay. Um, it measured the intensity of students' physical activity, the number of steps taken, and the percentage of time in moderate to vigorous physical activity. 
activity. Please tell me they got parental permission for these things or else the FERPA people are going to get really angry, aren't they? I just don't know. Uh, results compared to black students in control schools, black students in the playwork schools recorded 338 more intensity counts per minute. I'm not quite sure what that is, but whatever. They got more energy going on. 4.9 more steps per minute and 6.3 percentage points more time in moderate to vis- vigorous physical activity. It doesn't sound like a lot, I have to say. Well, Playworks had an impact also on the number of steps per minute during recess for Hispanic students, but no significant impact on physical activity for white students. Mm-hmm. Like, wow. help me figure out that one. Um, so Playworks made a difference for minority students, but not white kids. Then they did a bunch of survey data. I'm almost finished. They revealed that treatment teachers reported less bullying by students during recess compared to control teachers, hmm. and that students were ready to learn, meaning they had to spend less time to transition from recess to class time. Was that across all three demographic mm-hmm. groups? Uh, that was. Wow. Yes. So, what you think? Right. I, research look, works. I, I, research. I like it. Well, but this isn't just recess. What it really is 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 staffed research. Yeah. Recess, you got right? it. And full-time coach. And look, I have to say, uh, speaking on behalf of my second grade son, I think he would really like this. He reminds me at just how horrible recess can be <laughs> when you're a child. Because, really? Well, because there is a lot of bullying. Uh, because they try to play. Like, they try to, they, the boys, you know, his friends are trying to play soccer, right? Yeah. But without a referee or a coach, uh, it's total mayhem. Yeah. We've all have seen Lord of the Flies, right? I mean, it Some is of us like, lived in second grade. It is like. And oh uh, now, on the one hand, you say, look, they, they just have got to learn how to play together. Problem is, kids today never have a chance to learn, right. except at recess, oh, because they're all scheduled up the yazoo. But at least, uh, and so you just have this, this chicken or egg problem. It's like they need to be taught, okay, how do you organize a soccer game without an adult? Let's first have a class right. in that, and then we'll let you go. But I, I mean, is it, recess supposed to be recess for the teacher? I mean, I, I never taught elementary school, but hello, yeah. is the teacher supposed to be out there? Why do we now need a recess oh, coach? Oh, no, 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 I'm, I'm they're off. They're you. definitely having lunch or they're having planning oh, they are. time. They don't have to be out oh, there. Oh, yeah. They, I mean, in our school, they ha- definitely have to hire other aides who oh, watch. They try to get okay. parents to volunteer to watch. I don't know, Mike. I'm kind of a free-range kids guy. Um, I, I would love it. I'm just saying it's that this is, I, I totally support that, Robert. The problem is without practice at being a free-range kid, they really don't know how to do wow. it. And so uh, I, I don't know More how you non-teaching staff, is that what you want? Uh, like, we have I enough know, non-teachers. I know, I Mike Petrilli trying to bring the nanny state <laughs> no, to no. the playground. No, no, look how the gym teachers do this, right? Uh, By the way, this sounds like gym class used to be, it right? Does, that, I'll grant during you that. the day, too. Maybe they're, yeah. like, dancing mathematics or something. You know how we love those types of, like, pedagogical <sighs> tricks, right? Yeah. Because mm. it did say physical activity throughout the day, not just at recess. So I'm like, hmm, wonder what that means exactly. Mm-hmm. Interesting study. There you have it. Good stuff. I do like it. And, and by the way, recess, another big de- uh, debate around the Fordham office. It, it, it turns out that there are places in the D.C. area where the snow is still on the blacktops. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, and will be there until it melts <laughs> until it because melts. the school right. system does not pay to have it uh, I saw removed. That. And we said we have a blacktop gap. And is there's a right? blacktop gap because some PTAs oh, pay Lord. somebody to some private service to come That's plow right. the blacktop. I remember and that. some the PTAs money don't. We spend on schools right. and we can't get a snow shovel. We well, they, some schools were asking parents that. to come with their shovels, yes. right? <laughs> I think that would be a lot of shoveling. Those black tops are big. <sighs> All right. Uh, Lots to chew on. Thank you, Amber. We love yes. it. We All love right. It. Good. Hey, good. Hey. I kind of threw that one together. And, and outcomes that we're not just reading in math scores. That's right. No. Non-cognitive stuff. All right. That is all the time we've got for this week. Until next week. I'm Robert Pondicio. And I'm Mike Petrilli at the Thomas B. Fordham Institute signing off. The Education Gadfly Show is a production of the Thomas B. Fordham Institute located in Washington, D.C. 
For more information, visit us online at edexcellence.net.